Welcome one and all to Required Reading, a film podcast, episode 1515. Um, very glad to have you all here and um, again excited to be talking about a film I've been really looking forward to covering called Phantom Thread. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce my old so-and-so, Dan. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Alex. Um, yeah, keen to to delve into this curious, curious film. Curious film, but first, to business. Um, we are a podcast with a little bit of a difference, uh, difference to other film podcasts you may have heard before. Dan, do you want to take us through our ethos? Yes, the ethos of the Required Reading the Film podcast is that we are discussing a film uh, that we have set you essentially as, as homework. This is a book club in film form, a film club, if you will. Therefore, we will tell you in advance the film we would like you to watch. You watch said film. You then feed back on the film to us via the medium of social media. Uh, and then we will talk about the film at length in a fairly non-linear manner, uh, peppering your observations throughout. So it really pays to get in touch. We really love the fact that you uh, contribute. We do have some regulars, but we're always keen to hear some new voices too. So when we do set a film, why not watch that film with someone else? Get them to uh, supply their comments too, or even just recommend it to one of your friends, and they'll tell one of their friends, and they'll tell one of their friends. It's a pyramid scheme where everyone wins. Everybody wins. Uh, quite quality podcasting or just podcasting and that's fine and um thank you very much uh, for choosing us and we know there are other podcasts available and um, thank you for choosing ours um and yeah as dan says i think everybody's extra homework this um this week maybe it's just a intro another person in i think that's quite nice it's a uh, bring people don't in. worry this isn't slowly becoming a fight club type thing <laughs> there's not gonna be many more rules we're not gonna there, set absolutely. you challenges and then ultimately we'll bring down capitalism although that would be nice but yeah it would be amazing wouldn't it um but uh, but let let them know uh, to get in touch with us on twitter that's the best way to do it um i can be found on there under alex 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 this is alex three times but without the e and dan can be found at Mr. Pointyhead. At Mr. Pointyhead. Oh, and I should say that after that previous description of what this show is about, it should go without saying that we will soon be entering spoiler-heavy territory. This is a show for people who have seen the film we're talking about, so you absolutely have no right to get angry if you claim that we've ruined any aspect <laughs> of the film for you. Thank you. And that film is Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpiece long awaited mom, sequel to phantom menace one <laughs> one of his uh my, i mean all of them can be considered good i think um maybe apart from the first one which is a little uh, a little strange what was uh, pta's first film is it hard eight oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's good it's definitely a, a, a cool film but he definitely starts to hit his stride um i have not seen it but i know that inherent vices are fairly divisive it is, it is but so too. is pension you know as uh, uh you know as a writer so it's um 
I think it they fit together really well. Either you like it and get it, or you don't. Um, whereas I feel this one's a little bit more for the masses, maybe a little more of a celebration. We'll, we'll come on to it later, and and obviously it's um it's uh, starring Daniel Day Lewis, who has uh, since claimed it's his it's his final film. So, again, um, again. Um, so uh, a, a slight aside, do you know uh, what profession he took up? Cobbling. He, he took up cobbling. He went to Italy and learned how to make shoes. So, that's, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, but uh, was convinced to come back for Martin Scorsese and uh, Gangs of, uh, of New York. That was the film that took him out of That retirement. was the one, yeah. That's the one that convinced oh, him. Oh, I when, thought it was post When Martin Goni. comes a-knocking... You, uh, you, you, you answer, answer the call. The call. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get down to it. And what did you think of Phantom Thread? Phantom Thread is, as I think you uh, stated when you chose the film, uh, is almost a deliberate counter to last week's film, Uncut Gems. If Uncut Gems is a film that's constantly boiling over and is violent and effervescent, then... Uh, Phantom Thread is always on a low simmer. Mm. The, the tension is there, but it's always just bubbling away, and, and and rarely does it ever spill over the side of the film pan. I'm losing the metaphor. <laughs> keep, keep hold of it. Keep, uh, come back. Come back. <laughs> I'm losing the thread. Ha ha. Oh. Um. Yes. So it's. It feels almost like a film from another era. Yeah. Save for some decidedly, deliciously dark and twisted uh, moments that creep in throughout the film. But generally it has... You you could imagine watching it in black and white, um, you know, in, in the 1940s, such mm. as um, Day-Lewis's clipped deliberate delivery and, and just how... Uh, buttoned up. Oh yeah, everything is um, formal. Very formal. It it is a it's a film whose um, visual style uh, and delivery very much reflects the precision of uh, the craft mm. that it depicts on screen. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, it's literally woven, isn't it? The themes throughout filmmaking and storytelling and making dresses and fashion and everything it's all woven together really well but yeah as a counterpoint to uncut gems i mean i don't want to dwell on it too much because somebody might not have listened to that episode but the last film that we reviewed was quite intense and anxiety inducing and this one is you know maybe a little bit more relaxing maybe sort of something to kick back maybe with your favorite breakfast food and uh, with that let's go to our first contribution from uh, Christopher Jones uh, at Plastic Percy on Twitter. We beg to differ, I believe, if this says, is the comments I think it is. Evening chaps, watched this film last night and found this far more tense and anxiety-inducing <laughs> than Uncut Gems. Fantastic, fantastic performances from the cast and the score was magnificent. Felt like an additional cast member. Won't be re-watching. <laughs> and as I'm a thirsty bitch, I pushed him a little further. And I said, why anxiety-inducing? And he said, I think it was down to the awkwardness that always seems to be present no matter what character was on screen. Reynolds and Alma, Alma and Cyril, the Belgian princess and Alma. It's probably me, but I just found it uncomfortable. All props to the actors who were superb. Thanks for the recommendation. You're welcome. Worth watching, even if I won't revisit. 
So, yeah, maybe not as... Uh... I wonder if the anxiety that it induced in Christopher is perhaps because of his very British tendencies, mm. the, the the exchanges in it and the, the what's not said and that side of it, again, is in stark counter to Adam Sandler screaming, fuck a lot. <laughs> but it can generate the same sense of awkwardness because being British, we're able to read between the lines of what's happening on screen. Oh, I, would, yeah. I would actually be very interested to know what, say, the typical uh, American film goer or someone from a more direct culture, say the Dutch, who are very much like, oh, just just speak your mind. That's that's they operate mm. on that sort of like, it, don't don't skirt around an issue, otherwise I'll just assume that's what you want. This is the very opposite of that. Well, I think it's reflected in the characters themselves and where they're from. Reynolds, you know, being English and Alma, um, who I don't think they directly refer to it. She's no. the actress is from Luxembourg, but I think you get a kind of Germanic, definitely you know, sort of you know, east, eastern towards the east of Europe you know, sensibility to her. And I think they they mesh together their personalities. They're they're both trying to look for each other. In there's even a line where it, you know, it's, I think I've been, you know searching for you my whole life i think it's it's really well done and do we know how to pronounce the actress's surname i know it's vicky krieps krieps Krieps. yes it's um and it's her first sort of major role she's been in been in 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 other sort of bit bit parts and, and and bits and pieces but i think she is to go toe to toe with a you know outgoing daniel day lewis you know let's get right off the bat i think her performance is incredible so good so nuanced um i read a fantastic quote um i think it was from pta himself which said that her face changes at every angle that at one moment she can seem quite plain the next minute she can seem stunningly beautiful Mm. and then in the next angle she can seem terrifying Mm. um and, and, very, and, and very Germanic and, and quite harsh looking in some angles, but yeah, really soft in others. I, I really agree with that. I, I I love watching her in this film. The camera loves her. PTA really, really works with her in such a cool way. And, and, and I think he really takes advantage of their angles. The lighting in this is so... You can take a still from almost any any scene and make a painting from it it's really really well done it's it's beautifully shot it's um on film i believe there's a certain grainy mm-hmm. quality throughout which is gorgeous um and there's also seems to be a, a strange use of like diffuse lighting in yeah. certain scenes or well, especially in the workrooms mm. almost as if they've just like piped a little bit of a smoke machine in there to generate a little bit of atmosphere to give it a little bit and um, apparently it was a really small crew that worked on this one mm. that was part of the idea of it and i think it really comes across there's, there's some quite tight tight shots and 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 you really get a sense of the room. It feels like you're not on a set. It feels like you're in a house. Mm. You're on location. You're seeing scenes through the window. You're seeing rolling hills behind. I think it's. I think it's done incredibly well. I think the the world around them. If if we connect the story of the mother and her place, and we assume that that uh, a Woodcock's house is is the mother's house is is the family house that the spectre of the mother and the death of the mother hangs over the decisions that the character makes. But I, 
as you say, it's quite smoky and you can see the atmosphere almost as though the mother is a character, apart from when we do overtly see her her later on. I think it's um I think it's really well done. Um is it ethereal, I think might is the word. It ethereal. Kind of, ethereal, there you go. Yeah, is that's that's the um that's the the kind of the feeling I got from it. It was great. Um, so am I right in thinking that the the sort of house and the atelier are one and the same? They live in the lower floors of the house mm. and then the workrooms, etc., yeah, are in the exactly. floors above. So it's it's an environment that Reynolds and Cyril have occupied their entire lives. There was there was no way they were going to be anything else because they lived and breathed it every day. Yeah, com- completely. And and overlooking at overlooking at films and delving deep into films, obviously part of what we do, but my feeling in uh, immediately after seeing the film, it felt like Paul Thomas Anderson is sort of telling us something new. So some of his early films, let's say Boogie Nights, is very connected to maybe the sort of wants and needs of a man, a younger man, so porn and boobs and you know, instant gratification, and it explores those themes really well in in a Scorsese fashion. Very long winded. The characters get their come up, and you see everything happen. Whereas now with this film, sort of growing up with him, almost this now feels like this. That now these themes are what you want from a relationship and love. It's more about finding somebody special and holding on to them rather than just oh you know I fancy that person or that person's rich. Uh, it, it it's really it's really interesting. I think what the idea of of how Paul Thomas Anderson came to it. Um, apparently he got the idea from the film um, when he was ill. Um, yes, because he's married to Maya Rudolph. Maya isn't Rudolph, he? yeah. So apparently, got the idea when um, he thought. Um, I'm not sure whether she admitted it, but the fact that they were sort of spending so much time together by force, by the fact that he was ill and he was in bed and she was helping getting him food, and he noticed that she seemed to be weirdly happy with it, you know, just because he was just helpless for that little moment. And it's just a really interesting take on relying on each other and love. And yeah, yeah, we'll come, we'll come on to that a little bit later. But yeah, it, the, the the tone of it is great. And, 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 and obviously underpinned by a completely brilliantly sumptuous score from from uh, Radiohead jo- Johnny Greenwood regular um, regular collaborator at this point it's, i think this is his fourth um with him mm. um it's it's just won an it's just won an oscar at time of recording for uh, for best costume design which uh, completely makes sense but uh, Johnny Greenwood overlooked again at the um, at the Oscars um, for for an Oscar, I don't know what he has to do to to win one. This is this the music in this film is is another yet again another character. If we consider apart from the actors, the mm. the the house is another character, but the music that swells around and and supports the the characters and the silence, you know, the the deafening silence is 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 helped, you know, by Johnny's score. It's it's really really great. Um, you know, has he done anything to hurt the Academy? You know, are they sort of not not Radiohead fans or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, something's not not quite clicking there. It's another element of it that feels incredibly class classical, but shot through mm. with certain contemporary elements, but very subtly so. But 
just parts that initially it plays out in a very sweet um old time piano fashion mm. um but it's 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 speared through with these uh sort of phrases that uh hint at the 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 darker underbelly mm. of the film of the world yeah it's um it's yeah it's done so well and uh i, I think the um there will be blood soundtrack which is is totally amazing and again for vast swathes of the film you're seeing daniel day lewis's character run around and and it's supported by the music and i think they didn't give it to him on some technicality that he'd used some music before for something else Uh, it really felt like quite vindictive i don't know or maybe i'm just always finding a a way to yeah, I don't know whether I'm just being defen- too defensive of him, but it doesn't feel right. I mean, the the music in this is amazing. Um, so when we asked for review submissions, um, we had uh, one from uh, Ben Hall on Twitter um, at um, UppyUP17, who uh, just sent us, simply sent us a photo saying, no one gives a tinker's fucking curse. And that was it. That was the review. So whether it's a view, review of the film or the podcast, not, not quite <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, should we move straight on to another submission, also quoting the film, but perhaps with a little less sarcastic subtext from our uh, regular reader, uh, James Buttress. Um, he starts off with, uh, there is an air of quiet death in this house and I do not like the way it smells which is a really great... It's a wonderful line. Um, This has been festering at the bottom of my watch list since it arrived on Netflix. I'm so glad Alex bullied me into watching (laughs) it. You're welcome. This is staggering... I say say we gently cajole. (laughs) Cajoling. Um, This is staggeringly good. The performances are so intensely precise and complex. The relationships shift and sway and falter often in the same conversation. While none of the characters are at all likeable, their motivations are clear and believable. All three leads are absolutely magnetic to watch. Manville, the stoic matriarch, so firm and austere yet terrified of being left behind. Kreps, the spirited muse that rises from the awed silence to call the shots. Day-Lewis is your textbook tortured genius struggling with his own relevancy and an absolute pig of a man. He clearly has autistic tendencies, but they manifest in such a spiteful... They manifest in such spiteful, poisonous barbs that its amazing Alma even sticks around, and that's without even mentioning his disastrous mummy issues. It shouldn't work, and yet the writing and the acting is so beautifully crafted that it pulls together perfectly. I haven't been this drawn into a film since The Master. PTA is a genius. I can only apologise for the lengthy contribution, but I loved every second of it. Wonderful review. Uh, and I'm glad that he mentions uh, Leslie Manville's performance mm. because I think it's as much her film mm. as the oh, he- yeah. as the headliners. Yeah. Um, she's someone I've only previously seen in a, in a BBC show called Mum, ah. which is uh, a gentle but really beautifully observed um, sort of classic sort of middle class, working class family. Uh, and she's a single mom at the centre of it, and there's a little sort of bubbling romance. But it, it's it's um it's classic BBC fare, but it's it's actually very well written and and definitely worth a watch. I think there's three seasons of it on iPlayer, uh, and she was wonderful in that. So I did a bit of a double take when I saw her mm. alongside um, Daniel Day Lewis initially, but um, she held her own 
both in terms of her performance and her character, when she has a moment of putting Reynolds in his place, mm. basically, like, I'll, run, I'll run through you and leave you on the floor, yeah. is like, that That should come from the mouth of someone who's six pints in at Weatherspoons, but out of her, it's like, and she absolutely fucking means it, and he knows it. Yeah. That, very I, rarely do, do I think she has to rise to that level to um, remind him who's, uh, well, co-boss, mm. I guess, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um all the characters are swinging on these pendulums mm. backwards and forwards from reserved to outspoken to rude to polite to in love to out of love. I think it's, you know, James's point is so right. Um, and she goes from completely reserved and, and poised to sort of almost being inspired and falling in love with Alma and her spirit. So later on, she really starts laying into into Reynolds, not taking any crap anymore. You know, if this girl can come in here and be like this with, within a short frame of time, I'm fucked if I'm going to, yeah. you know, put up with any of this. It, it, it's really beautiful. And I really think that her relationship with uh, with his sister is is just as important for for all the characters it, it, it's a triangle it's a it's a very dysfunctional love triangle you know um reynolds has moved away from the love of relying on the love of his mother and the protection of his mother to his sister and then and then sort of takes on alma and and the, the confusion around that and confusion around letting people go and death it's yeah, it's really incredible. Um, I I did, think, go on, sorry. No, no. Um, did you know that uh, in Spanish, alma means soul? That's no. the translation of it. So I think it works on a on a, on a real a, a load of levels. If you consider that he finds his soul, his soul, and his and his want for life, you know, when she comes along, it works really well. But also, um, I noticed that. Um, well, I mean, Alma is also um, the name of, of, of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's wife, uh, Alma Alma Reville, um, who is a really amazing woman um, and long-suffering. Depending, well, on yeah, the, we yeah. know what Hitchcock was like. Absolutely, on set. <laughs> you know, and it's, but um, setting all that aside for a second, because it, it is kind of in in relative disrepute. Even Kim Novak has come out and said recently that she thinks that he got a bit of a, a rough deal in those in those spate of films that came out about him. That uh, yeah, that he was, you know, not entirely a, appropriate, but it wasn't quite to that level. No. It was just, it was it was the day and and they thought they had control over these people. You know, the end of the studio system. Um, but in any case, uh, concentrating on her, on, on Alma herself, she was uh, the person that suggested uh, Bernard Herrmann, the um, the composer that worked on Psycho mm -hmm. and um, then did some incredible work in Vertigo. I, I really suggest anyone go and go and listen to the Vertigo soundtrack. He he literally records Vertigo. It, the, the notes go up and down. It's, it's incredible. Um, re really, really one of my favourite composers. And uh, apparently... Uh, and this is from from Hitchcock himself. He says that it was Alma that came up with the idea of killing the main character in Psycho ah. throughout the film, which is again a, a narrative, uh, completely revolutionary narrative for its time, and even now is 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 
people go back to it, people try and use it. But just to imagine what cinema goers must have been going through when they first watched Psycho and going, oh my God, I've just spent, you know, I think it's like 40 minutes or something or 30, 40 minutes you spend with that character before the uh, the, the shower scene. And part of the part of the death is, is realising that... Wait a minute! This can't be a death. I, you know, this is the main character. She's supposed to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, it, it's really great. And it was it was the work of of, of um, Hitchcock's Alma. Yes, so um, yeah. more recently uh, replicated in the film Executive Decision, starring <laughs> Kurt Russell, where uh, Steve Zagal, who was at the peak of his career at the time, was killed off. Uh, in the in early scenes, absolutely a um, real shock to me. I'll tell you, it's a real um, a real subtext. The uh, Hitchcock influence in in that movie. Um, yeah, Don't knock but, Executive Decision. It's a it's a tight little action. It's film. a classic. It's I a classic. love action films on a plane. Passenger Forty Seven. Come on, always bet on black. <laughs> always bet on black. And um, I do believe that uh, the uh, Wesley Snipes is a big Hitchcock fan as well. Um. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> Um, another little uh, a fact for you is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson wrote in the um, photo shoot scene where he takes Alma to have her dress photographed. Yes. He wrote that in specifically as he knew Daniel Day-Lewis wasn't going to be doing any promotional duties for the film. <laughs> <laughs> is that he knew that he was quitting after the film. He was very clear that I'm not doing anything else for this. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. So yeah, write all your promotional, uh, activities into the film i think it's a great idea it would have been great if he'd just cut that scene entirely and it was just done under the pretense of it being a very vital scene in the film yeah absolutely the actual front cover of the movie is from that photo shoot but it doesn't make it into the film it's uh it's it's really great I, i love it i love i love stuff like that and um and i kind of feel that you know daniel day lewis is allowed to not turn up to photo shoots and stuff i think it's uh his prerogative. He's um, earned the privilege. So let's uh, let's take another contribution. This is all the way from Japan this what? time. Um, this is from uh, Dimitri, um, um, who's at Dimitri's uh, M eighty one. Says um, so. He's re- living living out in Japan. Yeah, he is in listening Tokyo. to us. Listening to us. Wow. Yes. Thank you, Dimitri. Thank you very much. Um, maybe PTA's most beautiful film, from the film stock to the sweeping camera movement. Production design and Johnny Greenwood's sumptuous score, mm, great, made it lovely to look at. The cast were excellent, and I'm surprised at how many times I laughed. Daniel Day-Lewis was again monumental, genuinely gutted that this is his last film. So nuanced and understated, yet outrageous too. But his performance communicated the weird, fastidious boundaries Woodcock had constructed for himself, i.e. his utter irritation of scraping butter on toast. <laughs> Which is what the film is about, the difficulty in penetrating the walls everyone has and truly understanding and accepting others. Definitely a pertinent theme in today's world. Um, uh, just, just an aside, just to, just to interrupt for a second, the sound design in those toast scenes yep. are amazing. They really, really amp up. It's almost, well, it's exactly that. They amplify such mundane things to put you in the headspace of Woodcock. To yeah. go, this is how it sounds to him. Mm. Just like they're going, 
Yeah, actually, that really yeah, is it's really, really irritating. Do you think they mic'd up the knife? I don't know how they got it so close. It is like well, fingers it's, it's on in post, boys. isn't it? They right. they got some foley artist <laughs> to, yeah, to, to really scrape, get some and... really like burnt toast, and just drag the knife across. But but it it, it talks to one of, sort of my own sort of private theories about relationships. Um, basically. You know, in essence, you know, everyone is fucking annoying. Mm. You know, love, you know, or more accurately, you know, long lasting love is, you know, a subconscious and collaborative, like disregarding of faults in others. You know, you, it's like the only thing that you can't lose. You, you get together with someone and things that would annoy other people don't annoy you. And, and the same thing. I think it's, um, I think that's kind of what the film is telling us. It's, it's really interesting. I, I think, yeah, I think love is where the good outweighs the bad, basically. Mm, yeah, and you're, you're, you're willing to roll with the punches because the rewards are so much greater. Mm, completely. And uh, just to finish off uh, uh, Dimitri's um, review, aside from that, it left me feeling hungry for Welsh rarebit, poached egg, not too runny, bacon, scones with butter and cream, jam, but not strawberry, lapsang souchong tea, and some sausages. Some sausages. <laughs> um, cream, cream is a little bit naughty, though. Cream it? is a little bit naughty. A little bit naughty. Um, and with that... Oh, Dan- sorry, oh, sorry. Before you go into that, I did want to highlight the fact that Dimitri said that the film made him laugh. I think the one thing we haven't covered off is that actually a lot of the barbs that are exchanged mm. throughout it really made me smirk and laugh on on many occasions too. It is in many ways, you know, a very dry, dry comedy at moments. Mm. Oh, completely. And, and, and then black comedy and, and the idea of talking about death and like physically seeing the, his mother in the room and how that's affecting him and, 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 how that pushes him to just be so rude sometimes mm. almost as though he uses his anxieties and thoughts and and visions of his mother to enable him to be so rude and i think those are kind of inherently funny some of the barbs that he's throwing around his in, entitled rants i think are, are so hilarious to watch and yeah. delivered perfectly like it, pitch it, perfect it harkens back to um the the the, the classic authors of the I guess the late 19th century and early 20th where you have these baroque and gothic elements mixed in with the romance and you think of Charlotte Bronte with Jane Eyre where Mm. you've got this tale of sort of frustrated love and then you've got this strange sort of twist where the the Mr. Rochester's wife is living in the attic and she's insane and <laughs> things like that you know it really drew those uh those sorts of tales to mind I really think PTA in addition to his uh feverish paranoia then drew in influences where I guess similar themes have been explored mm. in, in classic literature. And I think it was only appropriate that he set it in England mm. as so many of those great novels were back in the day. Yeah. And, and I mean, I suppose just being cynical moviegoer, Downton Abbey is so massive in America. <laughs> I think the, 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 I don't, I don't think PTA plays to the trend book though, does he? I think he's, the not, Downton, a, he's not a wagon jumper. No, but I think the Downton dollar probably didn't hurt the, uh, hurt the sort of success of the film film and maybe it's not the reason that he made it but i think it's you know part of what helps translate it i mean this film is a hard sell we've got a review later on that that gets into it okay it is a it is effectively 
three people in a house banging on about dresses. It's it's a strange it's it's a strange sell and it's a strange elevator pitch, effectively. Yeah, but I think that really cuts to the heart of why I really like doing this podcast <laughs> because um, more often than not, my wife. I think I may have mentioned this, she prides herself on not reading synopses or watching trailers and not really knowing about films when she goes in. But that means that when I suggest something, I have to deliver the elevator pitch. (laughs) How did this one go? uh, Well, I don't have to anymore. That's the beauty of it. I just go, I've got to watch this film for the podcast. And she's like, all right then. So I don't have to sell the Phantom Thread in. I just have to say... I have to watch Phantom Thread. So, um, yeah, thanks, Required Reading. I'm glad, if nothing else, it's helped for that. And with that, I think, should we have a a little mid-discussion quiz? Oh, it would be my pleasure. Your pleasure. Um, Do you want to sing the song for us? Sure. Mid-discussion quiz time. Let's pose some movie triv excellent fantastic thank you very much dan that's beautiful cool. um so this uh quiz this time is great food orders or meals in movies or the i'll have what she's having quiz oh here are 10 great film food orders can you tell me what film it's from no probably not <laughs> um and don't forget to keep your own score uh, so question zero. number one zero so yeah um, and at the end chilled monkey brains oh uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom well done um, that's one uh, questionably sourced liver fava beans and Chianti <laughs> uh, the silence of the lambs um, well done correct <laughs> um, 50 hard boiled eggs while a captive audience watches on uh it's the paul newman film oh shit <laughs> oh it's i'm gonna i'm gonna go through another <laughs> steel magnolias thing now because like as soon as i heard that i was like oh and, and then i was like the color of money of course it's not the color of money but <laughs> give me a clue um, you're correct about it being in Paul Newman. I know it's a Paul Newman. <laughs> I just can't remember the name of the... Oh, it's... I can offer you... There's there, there's a lot... There's a clue in each description, so uh, I can I can offer you a half point for that Paul Newman film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to fucking kick myself <laughs> are you taking a half point what just for saying Paul Newman yeah because you're Paul right Newman I know you know film. what it is I, it's going to annoy me though the moment you say what can I can I come back you round can come to back it? to it yeah how about that first time ever um, a milkshake costing five dollars no bourbon included Pulp Fiction Pulp Fiction well done a lovely cheese pizza just for me oh I have a clue. You can have a clue on this one. It's a Christmas movie. It's not Elf, is it? No. No. Bad Santa? No. We can't just go through every Christmas. Movie. Muppet Christmas Carol? It's from Home Scrooged. Alone. It's well recorded. Oh, of course. It's Home Alone. Um, leaning out of a car window asking, excuse me, do you have any Grey Poupon? <laughs> 
not fear and loathing, is it? No, no, it's not. Um, oh, previous answer, Cool Hand Luke. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grey Poupon, clue, I do know this. Um, it is a Saturday Night Live. Um, oh, Blues Brothers. No. Oh, Yes, it's Wayne's World. I don't know why I whispered it. Well, why did Wayne's you whisper it? The mic know. cannot hear you, but well done. That's a correct answer. Wayne's World. Unsatisfactory small slices of bread in the dressing room. Spinal tap. But it's This fine. is spinal tap. You can rise above it as you're a professional. <laughs> That's you correct. You just fold the meat. You just insist on folding the bread as well. Sushi for the posh girl. Four giant sandwiches for the jock. Peanut butter and jelly with the crusts cut off for the geek. <laughs> Sugar and crisps for the weirdo. The Breakfast Club. Well done. Oh, I had a, I had a real thing for Ali Sheedy. Yeah. Off that film, yeah. Some hunky just ordered four fried chickens and a Coke and four slices of white bread toasted. That's the Blues Brothers. That is the Blues Brothers. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, strudels and don't forget to... A tonde la creme. Ooh. I have seen this film. Mm, you have. Go on. It is... What, do you want a clue? Clue, yeah. yeah. Okay, clue. clue um, it is... Oh, I have to think of a good clue for this one. You can have... It's a conversation between a man and a woman. You can either have the man or the woman. What do you mean I can have either the man or the woman? I can tell you the actor. Oh, I see... Uh, the man. Christoph Waltz. Give me the line again. So, well, it, 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 it's, it's a question, it's in the question, but yeah, strudels and don't forget to attendre la creme. Is it a Tarantino film? It is. If it's a man and a woman, is it Inglorious Bastards? It is. Well yes. done. We got there. You can only have a half a point for that no. one, as you got quite heavy help. I'm not keeping track of the score at all. You are on eight and a half. Oh, all ten, right. Wow. Okay. Is, uh, yeah, very good. Only really uh, a Home Alone, the uh, the the crash and burn, but um, yeah, excellent. Oh, that was cool. Well done. That's the end of the I'm, quiz. I'm, I'm delighted with you that. You did very well. Thank you. Yes, excellent. I think that was quite uh, gentle as your quizzes go. Yeah, actually. I thought so. Yeah, I yeah. thought maybe you have a little uh, last one was maybe a little a little hard, and I did you did get put through the ringer on the last uh, last question, but uh, yeah, but well done on Cool Hand Luke. That was great. <laughs> um, I just need time for my sort of subconscious to process these things sometimes with yourself yeah Yeah. absolutely i can um i can definitely relate to that shall we rely on chris our regular reader and contributor to uh to get us back on track after that quiz mr shilling sir shilling sir um he says phantom thread is pta is most playful which is one of the things i like most about it it doesn't have that slight whiff of (sighs) self-importance that some of his films have in places it doesn't feel like he's trying to make a big, important film, and that's partly the making of it. It's quite a simple story. In truth, I remember reading that Jennifer Lawrence had turned it off after three minutes because she thought it was yet another love story about a narcissistic genius who negs a younger woman into falling for him. But I suppose, like the dresses Reynolds makes, the devil is in the details. 
There are so many great lines and they're delivered to absolute perfection. I keep thinking of the bit where Cyril says to Reynolds, don't pick a fight with me, you certainly won't come out alive, with such a casual, understated menace that it's kind of chilling and hilarious at once. (laughs) Even something as simple as the scene where he tells the Doctor to fuck off and Alma repeats it, it's a genuinely funny (laughs) film. Obviously, Daniel Day-Lewis is brilliant. You compare his performance in this to There Will Be Blood and he's completely unrecognisable as the same person. But I think all three central performances are great. Vicky Cripps does amazingly well to keep pace with DDL in her first major role and Leslie Manfield was absolutely robbed of more awards as Cyril. It's a film I'm looking forward to rediscovering in a few years' time when I've forgotten some of the best bits and can enjoy them again. And it's the kind of movie I hope PTA makes more often in future. Something with the same unselfconscious lightness of touch. Maybe we need to uh, convince Maya Rudolph to slip a few mushrooms into uh, <laughs> PTA's uh, omelettes. Um, I, I really like that idea. And I think it, it, it's something that anyone in a long-term relationship can kind of relate to the idea of uh, um, real love or something or re- you know something beyond the, the archetypal version of love that you know you can find enjoyment from spending time with someone because they're ill you're obviously not pleased that they're ill but you're pleased of the time you have with them I think it's a really sort of really lovely uh, really lovely undertone to the uh, to the film um, and I'm somebody that suffers a little bit from sort of anxiety in certain situations about what what people think of me. Um, you know, a, a lot of people do. I'm not saying I'm particularly uh, um, uh, unique in that regard, but I I really enjoy Daniel Day Lewis just really letting loose and and you know being so entitled and detached from you know that kind of fear. I really loved it. One of my favourite lines is uh, is um, the tea is leaving, but the interruption is staying right here. That's with incredible. Me. It's a brilliant line. It's absolutely classic. Um, it's too late now. It's, it's too, too late. late. Yeah, it's it, it's so fantastic. And and as we say, the the um, Alma, the way that she mutters under her breath quite a lot. And I wondered, um, did you did you watch it with subtitles on? Yes. You know, I always like to ask you, how does it perform in the subtitles? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They don't they don't miss a beat. Yeah. It's um because I I missed a few of those um you know under her breath she she does tell him to fuck the off the little retorts she? Yeah, yeah the little tiny things and uh, when she um when he asks for tea uh, she says oh good choice underneath her breath yeah. it's really great which I that was the one that I missed first time which is quite nice she's um she's opening herself up to further interaction which again I really love you know the reality of when you're talking to someone those first moments of breaking free of social norms and oh the client and relationship or the waitress and and sort of punter mm-hmm. dynamic you know she opens the door slightly he's obviously flirting with her and and sees something in her and that, that you know that that breakfast order that we that we went through earlier it is flirting isn't it it's yeah. great and and an admission that oh i found one of my own i found a an equal i, I I don't really know how to say it, but yeah. There's almost a telepathy involved. Just mm, in that brief interaction, he immediately smells his own and goes, okay, we're playing a game now. And when he takes the order off and says, oh, you've you've got that memorized then. And, you know, and she's like, yep. 
Yeah, um, uh, although it does fall one for foul of one of my uh, tropes of movies, which I really don't like, is that people would have too too good a memory in films. Like I really, uh, I know it would be a boring thing to go into too much in films, but I really hate it when people pretend they can remember loads of things. I, I my or maybe my memory is particularly bad, but yeah, no way would I be able to remember that. Uh, fewer fewer sources of unnecessary anxiety than going to a restaurant. Mm. Uh, and somebody not writing down your order and just going, you are going to get that Yeah, you're going to get it so wrong. And more often than not, I'm proved correct as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, credit credit to you, Alma, for nailing nailing that order first try. Yeah, it did, did really well, because I don't <laughs> imagine that uh, Reynolds would have been very happy. We don't see the food arrive, do we? But I think... I, I think, think she do. Got oh, uh, did she, she got it right. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah she, she smashed it. Absolutely, absolutely it smashed right. it. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we let's go to another contribution this time from uh, Richard Carter, and this is all the way from China. Cool. Hope you're, hope you're staying safe, buddy. Um, uh, I thought the acting was great. Found myself bouncing back and forth whether or not I hated Woodcock's personality or respecting <laughs> his unapologetic honesty, um, always staying true to who he is. At first, I found Daniel Day-Lewis creepy and Bond villain-esque with his delivery, but in the end, I felt it was Alma that grew more and more delusional as the film went on. Like the scene where Alma met the royal and they stared into each other's eyes and showed the contrast between the attractive royal and the normal-looking Alma. You could really see the jealousy in her eyes. I live here. (laughs) The thing I loved most about the movie was its use of silence and camera framing. Thank you very much, Richard. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, how he comes up with these things and the way that he inhabits a character. Chris said it earlier, it couldn't be more different from the um, Daniel Plainview. Daniel Plainview, no, no. In, uh, in There Will Be, will be Blood. Um, it, it, The way he inhabits it. Um, and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, I've, I've heard him do a few... Um, podcast since um about about the film and um i believe there's one with adam buxton where he talks through some of the decisions that he made and and actually weirdly there is a a24 podcast where he interviews the safety brothers about um, uncut gems and they talk about uh the inspiration that it um that uh, Punch Drunk Love had on them and seeing Sandler being used in a different way and yeah they refer to uh to um phantom thread quite a lot and um he says that basically says that uh daniel day lewis should have had a writing credit for it that um most of what reynolds says is pretty much all coming from daniel day lewis because there was there were quite a few unscripted moments yeah, throughout, weren't they yeah, yeah. Or, or, n- nearly all of them basically uh, they did a similar thing to um as 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 he says um how they do curb your enthusiasm they sort of have a start and an end and the other characters had script, but they were basically reacting to to what Reynolds was saying. I thought wow. it was I thought it was really amazing. And another thing that I really loved about the film is um, I just think it's so weirdly almost misogynistic to typify women as as being unreasonable. I I really think that men, and obviously I mean me. Um, I have just as much ability to be so, but, you know, I do kind of keep it in private. You're a very you know, difficult man. <laughs> you know, um, the line, uh, did somebody drop me on foreign soil behind enemy lines? I'm surrounded on all sides. Do you have a gun? When the hell did this happen? Who are you? <laughs> do you have a gun? You're here to kill me, aren't you? Where's your gun? I, I don't know why, but I really identify with that outburst in that 
in that scene. Um, I don't really know how to explain it. There are just some times where you just feel a little bit like, do you have a gun? Are you here to kill me? <laughs> I don't really know how to there explain are, it. There, yeah. there were a few lines throughout where I was like, oh, I'm definitely keeping that one. Yeah, yeah, it's it really it's really great, and again, the sort of unleashing of of a man in in loads of different ways, not over masculine, over you know he's really he's really feminine in in a lot of ways, the way that he you know that he refers to things and sort of it and his you know reliance on on the women in his life, and it's it, it, it's really incredible. Um, I'm I'm really interested in the idea of how it of how it explores love and relationship that previous, you know, and and I do see this quite a lot. I, you know, relationships and being with people is, is almost like a negotiation with yourself uh, when you're young, like it's a negotiation with yourself. Am I ready to settle down? Is this, you know, the, the person that is you're potentially settling down with is almost a secondary character because you're, asking yourself oh am i ready yes. for a relationship and um and reynolds really goes through that in 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 this movie it's you know obviously possible to get involved with someone and down the line and you know you're you're not with the right person and and you feel that he's somebody that that really discovers that moment of going aha this is this is the person this is my you know my my other piece which i um which i think's re- really well done i it, i really really love just an investigation of a real of a real relationship but a different side of relationships that we haven't seen i thought that was i did i did enjoy that obviously um alma tempered her behavior to ingratiate herself Mm. in in the household and that post post uh poisoning uh when he realizes that he loves her uh, and they and they get married. And an interesting thing I observed, and I don't know how deliberate it was, but for all of the wonderful gowns and dresses that he makes, and the beautiful outfits that he gets Alma to to model mm. and wear out in public, there's almost a juxtaposition between this very grand, beautiful wedding dress he's making for the the Belgian princess for her clearly very opulent wedding, immediately followed by their wedding, which is a registry office with three people. And she's in actually quite a dowdy dowdy outfit at that point. And he goes completely understated. Mm. He's not one for these big affairs as evidenced when um one of his um i don't know if it's a, a sponsor or that 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 lady that he uh forces well you know alma assists yes, yeah, in yeah. getting stripped oh, yeah, when she's when she's sort scene, of depressed it, yeah. and shit-faced yeah. uh which is <laughs> which is an amazing scene um but yeah it's he's he's really not one for the the formality and those he likes to he says oh my place is here in the work i don't really want to go to your thing Mm. uh and and that sensibility the the consistency is there when they get married there's no fanfare whatsoever for their joining yeah it's amazing and and that scene in particular where alma goes back and gets to dress is is so great it's it's what richard was saying earlier that she's brought this sense of reality and purpose and and 
but she's been infected by his, you know, his intoxication of the dress and what it means and the importance of it. It's just effectively material, not, isn't it? Not but, going to start blubbering, guy. <laughs> no, oh God, it's so good. It's yeah. so many. She's like, no, I'm angry. Like, like I'm angry yeah. for you. And it's yeah. like, I think that's one of the first moments where he's like, oh yeah, this is this is the one. This is the one. She understands me. Yeah. It's um, and they understand each other. It's it's done. It's done really well. So I'd I'd like to, I guess, talk about the the second poisoning. There's mm. that's for me is the a, a a scene that's absolutely steeped in a strange tension where for the for the duration of it, you're unsure as to whether he re- really knows what's going on yeah and you're always trying to second guess the scene whereas is she, is she trying to conceal the poison mushrooms mm. from him is he just sat there expectantly waiting for an omelette and is, is, you know has an inkling is there a moment where he's going to take the fork and offer her the first bite mm. there are so many ways i felt that scene could have gone and then the way it actually turned out was the 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 one thing I didn't really consider <laughs> is that like he's totally on board with yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Is it kissed me before I'm before, before I'm, I'm sick? Near, before I'm sick, yeah. That's yeah, because she says like you know I want you on your back and mm. helpless and I yeah. want to be and I, and, uh, and then I was like oh no he's totally into this <laughs> yeah it's amazing and I, and I liked it from a creative standpoint because um he goes through these bursts of intense creativity which take a lot out of him and then he yeah. is it is immediately followed by these crushing lows these 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 maladies mm. uh, and and so it's almost through her slightly sinister methods and perhaps not with the most honorable of motives she actually stumbles upon a way that he can forget mm. about that world for a while. Yeah. It's, and can just be cared for like he was cared for by his mother, one assumes. Mm. Um and, and and actually feel that the weight of the world isn't on his shoulders for a for a while. And it's almost he he suffers the sickness because it means well at least I don't have to go through the 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 depression anymore. Mm. I just know that I'm going to feel like shit, but I've got one person who's going to be by my side and yeah, making me feel loved and wanted. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it, it reminds me of... Um, I, I was reading about um, holidays and why they're so effective and um, why staycations aren't as effective. That the actual process of moving outside of your routine the place that you are, the places that you travel to, the places that you eat, just moving that routine, even if you pretty much do the same thing out somewhere else, that's what refreshes you. Your brain needs new stimuli. Mm. So staycations do work. It helps you recharge. But for a true holiday in the definition of the term, you need to move out of your regular way of doing things. And it almost feels like... Oh, because staycations are still rooted in the mm, familiar too exactly. much. Okay. And so I kind of think that... Alma is is for the first time introducing a different sphere of being for for Reynolds that he's not used to being reliant on someone. His brain isn't set up sort of in that kind of way of being helpless. Obviously, he does rely on other people, but um, and I think that that's 
also what he sees in her it's like oh she's introduced this new sort of sphere of being for me and and she's she's recognized it mm. um there's a part of me a cynical side of me that thinks that he's so obsessed with his mother that whatever it is that Alma's doing is allowing him to see to manifest visions of his mother there is um, that side as part of when he's ill and because he misses her so much and he's referring to her all the time he can he have these feverish visions of yeah, her yeah he says earlier on I can feel that she's here that she's watching over us and literally Alma does something that a makes him stop gives him a break and, and causes uh, that in, mm. unseen entity to manifest yeah. as well yeah. absolutely yeah. um i just want to give a shout out to uh biddy and nana ah uh, yeah biddy and nana a uh, story about them is that they were uh, they worked for couturiers in the 1950s mm. and i believe that when they were scouting i think in one of the london museums or the, the Design Museum in the V&A or somewhere, they were there to teach teach <laughs> them about the making of the dresses. And Peter was like, I love them. I want them in the film. They must be in it. Yeah. And that's why um, their delivery is so amateurish. And there's a brilliant <laughs> moment where Biddy's going like, oh, he's ruined the wedding dress, the shoe polish on the thing. <laughs> yeah, and she's explaining it. And she stumbles over her line. <clears throat> and it might have been the best take they got. But I really appreciated the fact that they kept the stumbling because mm. very rarely would a film allow that to happen mm. even in you know the slice of life mumblecore films that we we love so much yeah. there's there's almost a, an affected nature them nature to them to a degree whereas um yeah uh biddy her name's sue clark her mm. delivery of that line when she stumbled over that line i was like oh that's fantastic i just love that little yeah and but for them to have lived in that world mm. around a similar era and then to be in the film must have been such a surreal experience for them yeah yeah it's uh she she's amazing that character um my read of it was that she maybe isn't a person that is used to speaking up to um the woodcocks that much so she is she's quite exasperated and she's worried about the dress and she is tripping over herself yeah but it's one of those things that leans into well uh, alma represents the upheaval of the status quo Mm. the status quo is that woodcock his word is absolute Mm. and then for once he's the person responsible for throwing everything into complete yeah disarray yeah he is responsible for the imperfections for once, mm. and so everyone's really flustered yeah. by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's if he's gone, then you know, then, then what's left? Well, I suppose it's Alma that's that's ultimately responsible. Biddy's left. Yeah, she's. Um, uh, so uh, let's go. <laughs> the true to our, hero of the film. <laughs> let's go to our uh, our final contribution. This time from our own Mary Whitehouse, Megan, um, that I, I work with. Um, uh, she starts with, I thought, too quiet. I, I thought I'd start with the elements of this movie that I did like. Hinting that there's uh, there's darkness down the road. Um, <laughs> fashion, style and costume. Some of the pieces in this movie were simply stunning. If you had the chance to, vid- to visit the Dior exhibition that was on at the V&A earlier this year, you would almost think some of these pieces were lifted from the big fashion house and the way the main lead... Uh, where the way the main male lead sketched i love the scene with the fashion runway of his work and the attention to detail 
Also, the scene where she is measured on the first date. Couldn't imagine being that vulnerable on a first date myself in this day and age. That is a great scene. And again, Leslie Manfield is incredible there. You know, she leans in and she almost does a Silence of the Lambs to her, doesn't she? Yeah. You know, um, a little callback to my amazing quiz. Lemon juice. <laughs> it's it's absolutely brilliant. Oh yeah, we had fish. Um, <laughs> Uh, which leads me on to the development of the sister character. At first seemed cruel, but warms through the movie, and you end up feeling like she's a badass boss bitch who won't take crap from her brother. Big up this character. Yeah, she, Big up she, Cyril. Yeah, we love Cyril. And now we move on to the negative section, Dan. You ready? Ooh. Negatives. Whilst last week's Uncut Gems was too chaotic for me, this week's movie was slow. I was right. Last right. one was too loud. This one's too quiet. <laughs> we'll get it right. We'll get it right eventually. I actually didn't feel a lot happened in the movie, if I'm honest. A few days in bed here and there. Also, what a drab of a man. Not seeing many attractive traits myself apart from the quiet mornings, which I'm on board for. Uh, by the way, if my other half was mad at me for making dinner, he would be in the doghouse. So, yeah. <laughs> And then she's given us a couple of questions to, uh, to oh. answer last time. Yeah, I like okay. questions. Thank you very much. Uh, what did you think of the final wedding dress? That's the uh, the Belgian princess's dress. I, I commented on this to my wife. I said it looked like someone had flopped their tits out over very a very booby, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it looked like someone had basically t- got a, a low cut top. Um, and the sort of behaviour you'd expect to see from someone at about 2am in Newcastle, mm. um, just like pulling their top out and their tits spilling over the top of it. Mm. It just had that aesthetic to it. Well, I don't know. I don't really know much about the kind of fashion, but it felt quite... You know, they had an argument about being chic, and I felt like maybe it was his him trying to make something chic a little bit high fashion yeah a little bit more fashionable Alma's in the house now he's got someone to impress it's not him I really feel like that dress is it's definitely not my favourite one uh, that he does I think it's more of a a character point that he's trying to make something to be relevant and update himself you know he's obviously with a woman that's uh, that's a lot younger than he is it's um it's quite it's quite interesting that his, that dress his, is a yeah his his mind is all over the place during the creation of that dress mm. but um I defy you to think of it in any other way than what I just described when you look at the dress again yeah 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 fair enough um <laughs> why would Alma who seems quite strong willed be with such a man who is a crappy husband uh, I I think it's established earlier where she is completely on board with his genius Mm. um but she has to offset that uh well through the methods she employs to i guess exercise a, a degree of control over her situation she she's with a man who she knows is brilliant but is difficult to love and she identifies a moment when he's at his most lovable mm. uh, and sets about engineering situations to um, to get him back into that vulnerable, lovable state that she sees mm. him in. So she realizes that there actually is a gentle man lurking underneath this very yeah. prickly, difficult exterior. Um, and because of some... 
And because of some of the reasons we've discussed before, we think that perhaps he is on the spectrum, that he has arguably some Oedipal hang-ups mm. and elements like that. And also that he he treats everything around him as a barrier to his central focus, which is his creativity to, to his design and, mm. and dressmaking. That she feels like if he could for a moment realize that there is a world beyond that and a world worth exploring, then perhaps he wouldn't be such a terrible man. By the same token, I don't think it's unfair to say that it's also representative representative of a lot of real-life relationships out there, which is where somebody comes in, spots aspects of a personality that are desirable, Mm. but they are shrouded by far less desirable (laughs) aspects. And so you go in and go, oh, that's a fixer-upper. I'm going to fix that person. Um, And I don't think she's the sort of person who would ever back down from that and would admit admit defeat and go, actually, he's impossible. I can't deal with him. Um, And so he's a a challenge as well. And she likes a challenge. Maybe she's looking for trouble, as she says in the movie. It's not... It's not... It's not a desirable relationship to the casual observer mm. at all. You know, nobody wants to be in a relationship like that. But, you know, this is a film that acknowledges there are many, many, many relationships out there that are not dissimilar to the one depicted in this film. Absolutely. And uh, similarly, she asks, apart from her measurements, what makes Reynolds fall in love with her? Um I, I, this really talking about measurements. That scene where he says, "Oh, you have no breasts," and she goes, "Oh, sorry," and he goes, "Oh, no, it's perfect. It's my job to give you them if I choose." <laughs> it's really, really well done. Followed by Cyril going, yeah. "He likes a bit of belly." Yeah, it's oh, so good. It's, it's so barbed. And, and Alma's face, like, "Ooh, yeah." Ow. I, I, I think that makes. Um, I just don't think any woman has really ever. He hasn't met. He met his match, basically. It, it was a combination of factors. Cyril even says objectively, "Oh, you have absolutely the figure." He's looking for a new muse, and he 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 can identify them in a in a heartbeat. He he's so familiar with the female form and and the figures that he dresses that even in her waitress garb, mm. he goes, "That's." That's my shape. That's yeah. my size. All the dimensions are perfect. Mm. And then realizes that there is also quite a remarkable person beneath that uh, living mannequin. I think the um, I think Paul Thomas Anderson's point about there are different angles that you can see her from. She changes slightly. I think that would really appeal to to Reynolds. I think that was very deliberate casting i think she shows herself to him in different ways he's very visual and yeah i think it's i mean that's that's part of it i've got a real um fascination with certain actresses who at first glance i go i don't know if i find you attractive or not (laughs) and but then over the course of a film you understand why the central character is is in love with them. I always remember my first experience of that was the fifth element where I, I didn't really I didn't really get Mili Jovic mm. and then by the end I just thought, oh my god, she's yeah. just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, otherworldly I really believed her as this otherworldly thing because she just had such a unique look 
about her at the time and uh and i i almost tuned into it and i was and then by the end of it i was just like i'm absolutely not worthy of yeah. this it's um who bizarrely is married to the other paul anderson yes, the one who makes yeah, the shit films yeah, the confusing the confusing paul uh Currently working on Monster Hunter. Oh yeah! Wow. Who who knows what's going to happen? There? Oh, Lord. Um, uh, Fifth Element is a really special film, isn't it? It's. Um, I've never. It's, I haven't revisited it yet. I'm not sure if it would stand up. It to, does. It really it does. does. I've seen it a few times. Um, it's uh, Jean Paul Gaultier designs everything, mm-hmm. and it, it, they're really timeless. And obviously, Miller is a is. Is, has that model look and the outfit, like the medical outfit that she's in. The bandages, the stuff, the yeah, bandages yeah. are just so amazing. Yeah. I even like the design. Uh, her hair is that she's blonde underneath. She has uh, blonde roots and then the red hair underneath it. It's just, it's really, it's such, like perfect choices all along the way. Um, but that's what I mean, that the outfit and mm. everything is so unorthodox and yeah. otherworldly that... I didn't read it. I mean, obviously, I was very young when I saw it, but I just really didn't know what to make of it. And then, yeah, it completely opened my eyes, I guess, to a completely new depiction of... Yeah. yeah. Well, a- any movie that can make Chris Tucker not annoying, I think, is... Uh, what, you're saying the Fifth Element didn't make Chris Tucker... <laughs> I, it gave him the room, the room to explore his annoyingness in a, in a completely unique way. <laughs> Because we were too distracted by his hair. Okay, let's um, let's get back to it. Let's get back to our um, our questions. Um, do you think that Reynolds eventually dies from repeated poisoning? Sure. <laughs> no, I don't think he does. I think it's. Um, I think she's specifically chosen a um, a mushroom that uh, that will keep him. The ability to just delve into sickness, depending on how many she uses forever. I think she's going to find the line. He's going to rely on her. It's part of their dysfunctional relationship now. Yeah, it's a weird kind of psychosexual element of their relationship from now on. You know, she knows exactly the right dose that's not fatal. And I think, if anything, with repeated exposure to similar doses he may actually build up a greater tolerance yeah, for yeah. it than an intolerance. So, no, I think he died of natural causes. Yeah, and not her shoving loads, masses of mushrooms into his mouth. <laughs> Just to keep the I need to see my mother again. Um, yes, fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Megan, and thank you very much to everybody that contributed. I think that's our uh, highest number of contributions. Um, it's certainly our... Has the most air miles, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. I'm really, really pleasantly surprised that we've uh, got listeners as far as fl- sorry. I'm really surprised that we've got listeners as far flung as China and Japan. China and Japan. That's it's wonderful. Great, I, 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 I'm genuinely chuffed by that. Yes, thank you very much, guys and girls. Um, and that brings um, us to the end of our discussion about uh, Phantom Thread. Um, I think it is our customary uh, McCartney, our two thumbs up. Yeah, I think it goes without it saying. Was, um, it's very, very good. Um, definitely uh, our uh, rating system is a little a little skewed because we like to choose uh, films that are um, that we want to see and for the most part you kind of know that they're... Uh, this they're was a little self-indulgent for you in a way wasn't it it but i appreciate it because i know that you you love this film already but it gave me as i say a very good excuse to Mm. watch something that i've had on my pile 
yeah. for a hell of a long time. Yeah, I, I genuinely, my favourite thing of the podcast is that it. if I think that if I've just got a few more people to watch these things and, and you know, having having a chat about it, I really love I really love that. And, you know, maybe somebody finds something that they wouldn't think about and can go back and, you know, please go and see uh, There Will Be Blood if you haven't seen it before. You really can't go wrong with, with Paul Thomas Anderson. He... It, it can they can be a little long-winded um but i don't think they now with this sort of video on demand i think pausing and resuming doesn't really hurt it too much and um, this is actually short actually quite short for him it's um just over, over two yeah, hours just over two hours whereas uh boogie nights and everything w- w- was obviously his uh homage to to robert altman um so you know they're all three hours plus yes. and magnolia is three hours plus it's um it's yeah it, but, but but it's really worth your time he's um it's a couple of hours that glides by quite dreamily as well yeah. i found it's a very it's a very sort of gentle mm. two hours that passes yeah. i wasn't i wasn't particularly conscious of the time as i was watching mm. it yeah absolutely and um and and a fitting um can call for Daniel Day Lewis if indeed it is, it, and he's not faking us out anymore. But uh, yes, uh, thank you everyone, and that's it. Um, shall we move on to a few uh, recommendations? Yes, everyone? yeah, a go slightly for it. strange one. This is a recommendation from you to me, and then now out to everybody. It is. Um, a recent episode of uh, Inside Number Nine, um, available on uh, BBC iPlayer. Although all the previous series are available on Netflix. On Netflix, that's absolutely right, and um, they are generally quite high quality. All of them, it's it, it's great. It's not a series that um, that you have to have watched one to see another one. You can jump around, but in particular, this last one, most recent, it's the second episode of the fifth season is that right i think it's the fourth fifth season or, yeah, yeah fourth or fifth season it's just on iplayer um if you're a fan of um of the the chaps that made the league of gentlemen of psychoville of all those of, of all those um so TV yes shows. yeah this is specifically the pairing of reese smith and steve pemberton um as i understand it for the league of gentlemen that there are three who appear on screen, but they are actually composed of four writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reese and Steve would be the one pairing, and then Mark Gattis and um, Jeremy Dyson yeah. would be the other half. Um, and so Mark's obviously gone off and done things with Sherlock and the recent Dracula revival on BBC, and mm-hmm. he has, you know, he has his style, which I'm less fond of, if I'm to be honest. Mm-hmm. Although he plays some of the best characters in League of Gentlemen, yeah. some the, he usually plays the more tragic ones, yeah. like the guy who was in Creme Brulee, and yeah. in the in the recent revival, the Bingo Caller oh, the scene bingo is amazing. just yeah. Chef's Kiss. Um, but yeah, Steve Pemberton and Reese Shearsmith just have not missed a beat i i can't think of many comic writers outside of like the classics like ianucci and chris mm. morris who are just capable of consistently writing so much brilliant clever diverse material they never rest on the laurels they always 
completely reinvent the scenario and still always find a way to put a, a sting in the tail mm. each time. Yeah, they've they've really found their groove and format. I think it's effectively like the Twilight Zone or yeah, it's an anthology series. Yeah, it's, it's, re- it's really well done and it has a real classic feel to it. And as you say, there's a nice little twist at the end, a nice bit of horror, and a f- and yeah, it it's great. Um, just watch it. Um, but yes, the the second episode of the current series is really one for the the diehards mm, yeah it yeah. has yeah it just has a whole thing that made me actually squeal when i watched it it's fantastic um my second is not so much a recommendation but just a, a quick and just a little it's a warning a warning <laughs> um it's exactly right um the Stranger. Have you seen The Stranger? Oh, fucking hell. Helen's watching it at the moment. Um, beware, guys. Um, I, this admittedly was a passive view for me. Uh, Dan and I, as you may know, we have talked about we are quite big uh, gamers. Um, the Nintendo Switch has found its way into our hearts as being the allowance of allowing the TV to be used for other uses. We're not taking it over with our game consoles so much anymore. So very often of an evening, um, if I've made Vic watch <laughs> some obscure film, uh, she'll want to watch some other show and I'll play consoles and sometimes it'll it'll distract me and I'll start watching it and sometimes I kind of really passively take quite a lot in oh yeah so um Vic watched um all of the of the stranger and I it did start to pique my interest um I must admit I'm not a fan of tv crime British tv crime dramas um I know it's very bigoted kind of view but I feel that if the stories were any good they'd make them into a film I kind of, I I know I, I didn't think that way, but I think that the good ones do elevate naturally, and the ones that stay in that format tend to stay that format for a reason. But well, the strain, Line of Duty's rad though, except the last series. But, I, I just didn't get on with it. I just think it's people talking in grey rooms, and it yeah, just, it isn't really the interrogation really... scenes, the interview room scenes are like that's the show well i i guess it's not my it's not my will <laughs> it's not your bag and that's fine um but yeah this one has had a bit of netflix push it has the good cast it has you know all of the nice fun and it has the nice look and all that kind of stuff but to me did not did not read for me it's the same as all of the other ones they might as well have cast sarah lancashire in it and just be have done with it like all of the other tv shows that she does <laughs> they're exactly the same depressing and characters that just i don't know they don't they just don't seem to do the things that you think that somebody would do in those situations so yeah beware that's my can you have a can yeah, you recommend sure. a beware yeah Caveat emptor. Caveat, exactly. Thank you. Um, do you have anything for us? Yeah, um, I am thoroughly enjoying Succession uh, uh, yeah, at the moment. This. The creation of Jesse Armstrong, who is the co-creator of Peep Show, mm-hmm. uh, co-wrote The Thick of It with Ianucci. Yeah. Um, and this is arguably his best work to date. Wow. It's uh, it, it's just one of the most wonderfully written shows. And sometimes you watch a show and you think, why should I care about these people? <laughs> I mean, this is ultimately about a Murdoch-esque media-owning mm. billionaire played by Brian Cox. 
um, who's approaching the end of his career, in his the, the twilight of his career, and as the title suggests, he his his children are now wondering who will succeed in right, this right. role. There is one leading contender, Kendall, uh, but there are others out there. Kieran Culkin is among them, playing right. a really weasley fucking shit called Roman. Um, and I can't remember his name, but the guy who played Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. I can't is another that, yeah. one of the sons. Yeah. Who I used to love in Spin City, if you watch the Michael J. Fox sitcom way mm. back when. Um, so that, and then there's an outsider who is, um, I believe his nephew, uh, a guy called Greg, who's from his brother's side, from Brian Cox's brother's side of the family, who's this slightly uh, gawky, clueless guy who's the complete polar opposite to everybody else in there. But anyway, there's this this cast of people and it just creates um, this this world that you can't get enough of. It's, it's darkly humorous, as you would expect from someone with that pedigree, but also, you know, thoroughly gripping in terms of its uh, drama as well. Uh, it's just, it hasn't put a step out of place. I mean, six episodes into the first series, I think, and I've just, it just hasn't put a foot wrong so far at all. It's, it, it's just wall to wall excellent. And I'm, I almost resented watching Phantom Thread last night because I couldn't sit down and watch Succession. <laughs> Well, that's a that's quite a quite a review. That's um, how much I like it. That chap's name is Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, of course, um, it is notable for um, for the uh, Trekkies amongst us for being uh, Captain Harriman, who is the interim captain in between Kirk and uh, Picard, who is uh, utterly utterly inept, <laughs> completely bad, and Kirk spends the whole time laughing at him and his first. Uh, pretty much his first order is to get the Enterprise almost completely smashed apart. So pretty much like, what if Cameron became captain of exactly, the Starship yeah, Enterprise? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, it's really well done. He obviously is a... Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a great character. It, it's actor, it's great yeah. seeing him back on the screen and, and the guy the guy he plays is, is also fantastic, so... Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Um, thank you very much for listening to our 15th episode of the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, we will uh, we will announce the next film for you on Twitter um, very soon. I think it's um, I think it's quite nice, and we've got quite a nice little cadence going now. And, yeah, uh, we're we're we're, our, we're back in we're back in the flow for our second season. That's what I'm deciding to call. Uh, <laughs> taking a year it's off. the way to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but thank you very much everyone again really really um this format loves people getting their reviews in and being um you know this i kind of feel like this is as much yours as it is ours it's nice to discuss it's nice for other people's viewpoints you know personally i feel sometimes like what are we going to talk about? I just fucking loved Phantom Thread. What am I actually going to find to to go through? But everybody's input and viewpoints and and, and really helps. It really helps spark yeah. discussion. Yeah, I, I felt exactly the same way. Weirdly, wandering into this, and then you just realise that you're 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 harbouring so many <laughs> thoughts and feelings about it that I, I guess I guess in other circumstances 
really we really wouldn't come out mm. so i really appreciate this yeah. chance just to sit down with you and and hear from everyone else and what i'm always impressed by is just how well written and eloquent most of the uh the responses we get from people are yeah. i think i think they're wonderful and often shit on mine from a great eye <laughs> so thanks for that and with that we will say to you <laughs> bye bye now bye bye see ya Would you like to order? <clears throat> a Welsh rabbit with a poached steak on top, please. Not too runny. And bacon, scones, butter, cream, jam, not strawberry. What else? Coffee or tea? Do you have lapsang? Have a pot of lapsang, please. And some sausages. And some sausages.